0: In week 1, Parker talked about how you know, prophecy is not just about getting spiritual information or a download of information, but it's about connecting and talking to God himself and getting his heart for the people around us. Because because God really loves to share his heart with his friends. Like he really loves to share his heart with his friends. In week 2, John talked about words of knowledge and how they're keys to unlocking people's hearts so that they can get into that relationship with the Lord. The Lord picks out something about them and says, hey, I know you, I made you, I know everything about you. And here's a little bit of the details about you just to point out that I know those things that no one else knows. And it's, it's a key that unlocks their heart into relationship. Last week I got to talk about the, the idea of translating God and what that means. And that's to interpret the things that God shares with us because he shares things with us in a certain way so that we can understand them. But when we share those with other people, they may not understand the way that we hear God. And so what we're trying to do with translating God is hear what he's saying, understand it, and then be able to share it in the clearly accurate ways that they can jump on board, and it, it creates an encounter for them with God. So this morning, I'm going to talk about, uh, I'm going to hit a bunch of stuff. So if you take notes, go ahead and get your notes out, because you're probably going to want to write some stuff down if, if you want to. As this is the last teaching in the series, I want to talk about growing and mature. Growing in maturity and responsibility in the prophetic, and so even if this is the first message you've heard in this series, or you're new at this whole prophecy thing, I want to encourage you that that to stay engaged while we go through this because it's important. Maturity, responsibility is is important at every single level in the prophetic. Whether we're brand new, whether we've been doing it for decades, it's important. And so, just hold out your hands real quick, and I'm going to pray. I know John already prayed. But just close your eyes, hold out your hands, and I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 16 over us, and then I'm going to pray. So what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. For the spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So Jesus, I thank you this morning. I thank you for your Holy Spirit living within us. I thank you that you've provided your church with everything that we need to fulfill your commission to go in love. I thank you that these gifts of the Holy Spirit are readily available to anyone and all who might respond to that invitation. God, I ask this morning that you would send a fresh pouring out of your spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you'd bring us into maturity as we grow closer to you, God. I ask that we may step up in our commission to do our job of not only operating in these gifts, but spending more of our days training, equipping, and sending out our brothers and sisters in deeper relationship with you, God. And the knowledge and power of these Holy Spirit things as well. For your name's sake, amen. amen. So I want to encourage you guys as I share this message, and I want to challenge you guys at a heart level to be just like be pondering it, and even like while I'm talking, have a conversation with God about what he wants to do with this message, what he wants to, how he wants to apply it in your life. What can you do to take action to, to own this kind of stuff? Prophetic is all about relationship and conversation with God, like we've talked about so much. And it's mostly really centered on the testimony of Jesus in the past and the present and the future. It's mostly about Jesus. I mean, it's all pointing to Jesus and how who he is intersects with our lives in the past and the present and in the future. And so that's what we're, we're doing. We're talking with God about what he wants to do, and how he wants to touch people's lives. And then we want to bring them into an encounter of that good news. The first area that I want to talk about this morning is an area that's important to all of us, whether we're brand new, just learning prophecy, or if we've been doing it for decades, and it's the area of discernment. We're, we're spiritual beings, and it's easy for us to pick up on things in the spiritual realm around us. And inside others, because they, too, are spiritual beings. We have like a beacon, like an antenna up, and we can, we can sense what's going on in the, in the atmosphere around us. And when we do this, it's called discernment. And humanity is actually hardwired for discernment. We've been created with this ability that's inside of us. We're born with intuition. God created us with the ability to discern each other's motives, hearts, gifts, talents, and skills. And as we pray, it's like it's easy to discern what... Certain things are going on in people's lives, or the things that we're praying about, certain details. And it's a wonderful ability that God made us with, and it's a relational tool. But discernment itself is not a substitute for relationship. Discernment's not a substitute for relationship. I've come to believe that a lot of words given by prophetic people are really just discernment. They're nothing more than that because the giver of the word hasn't actually taken the time to connect with God's heart and understand what God thinks about that situation. It takes connection, it takes intention to do that kind of stuff, to to press into what God thinks about things. Anyone can discern something if he or she listens up for a moment, but only born-again believers can constantly pursue the heart of God in the matter. Only born-again believers can do this because they have the Holy Spirit living within them. So I want to take some time to talk about the negatives of discernment and some of the positives. So like I said a second ago, it's easy to discern, feel, or sense things about what we're praying for. And it's a wonderful ability that God made us with. It's a relational tool, but again, it's not a substitute for relationship itself. One of the negative things that can come from discernment is just knowing things about people without having compassion for them. Just like knowing things about a situation, but not having compassion for them. And one of the things that we can be tempted to do is skip relationship. and Skip that step of relationship and skip developing love and connection. And when we do that, we can fall into two two traps that the enemy will lay for us. One is that we can create false intimacy. And false intimacy, by using discernment, can lead to things like um, control or manipulation. And so that's one trap that the enemy can use. The other one is creating judgments. We can discern things and create judgments in our hearts about people that the things about discernment. The reality is that knowledge, even spiritual knowledge, that's not married to love, that's not connected to love, and awareness of, of God's heart can be religious. It can become manipulative. It can become controlling. It can become judgmental. And Paul found this out, you know, like on the, way to, on the road to Damascus, Paul was one of the most educated men in, of the time in Israel, and he was so focused on what he discerned and what he was, he was holding for justice and the thing that he held in his heart. You know? And he was, he was actually violating the very thing that God wanted. He was violating that thing by, by, by being passionate about taking out the Christians. And, and we know what happens there. The you know, Lord knocks him off his horse and brings, brings truth to him. He had a disconnect and presumption based on natural discernment, wisdom, education, and his culture's state of religion. We can be at risk actually of the same kind of presumptions if they enter our heart if we don't put love first. We have to put love first. We can't keep our perspective if it's only based on what we discern with our natural mind. We have to get to God's mind about it. So who knows the, the worship mob collaboration group? Who's heard of them? They like do YouTube stuff. They're really awesome. Check them out. One of the things that they do besides worship are these Ted's Talk-style teachings called God Talks. One of my favorite God Talks is from a guy named Devin Christensen. I think we have a slide on that. but um, Check that out, that message, when, they, when you get the chance, because it's really good. It's called Feeling Judged. and I wish I had time to talk about everything he does, but it's so challenging and it's so good. One of the things that he, d- he talks about is he references Matthew 7 when Jesus is talking about judgments. And we've probably all heard this this verse, you know, you got to take the log out of your own eye before you can deal with the speck in your brother's eye, or your friend's eye. So what does that mean? That's, that means like we have to get rid of that which is what, what, what's inside of us before we can actually help what's in our, in our brother in our friend's. It's a spiritual metaphor, but it's actually also a spiritual reality. And I want to give give you guys a little example of this by John will you come up here when a judgment's formed in our heart against someone the the judgment actually does something so yeah so when we discern something and we create a judgment in our heart without asking God it does something so let's say John is my friend and he is but let's say I don't know him very well and you know I come into a room where John is and I discern something about John or something that he's been part of, or something that's happened, and, and I don't ask God about it. But then I go over and ask him about it, because she knows John, and she tells me something about John, and it's true, it's a fact. And so that thing that I discerned was true, but I didn't ask God about it, and I didn't ask John about it. So what happens? It actually creates a log between us. Now let's say I do know John, he is my friend, and I want to go talk to John and have a connection with him, but there's something between us now. And I can make another judgment based on this thing that, that's actually my judgment in the first place, not something that he's done, but something that I'm holding on to in the spirit and he doesn't even know about, and it's actually creating this distance between us. and It's actually pushing. So as I come closer to him, you know, it pushes him further away from me. Now, let's say I make another judgment based on that, because he's pushing away, I create even more distance between us, you understand? And so, I think, oh man, he's just avoiding me because of that thing I discerned before, but actually, again, it has nothing to do with that. It's actually the spiritual thing that I've created here with my judgments. And so, if I like, get a, a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom and I want to share it with John, well, he's actually going to avoid me as I come closer to him. Like he's going to as like I got my arm out. This is just, like he's going to avoid me, right? Cuz this thing is between us. And so what I got to do is I got to repent. I have to come before the Lord and say, "Hey, God, I didn't hold your hardness, I didn't ask you." And then I have to repent to him and ask for forgiveness from John. And then if he forgives me and we can create love again, then the Lord can take that log out between us and then I can come alongside him. As the Lord deals with the speck in his eye. And I can encourage him. And and, thanks, John. Yeah, so so hopefully that makes sense. So we want to get rid of these judgments that we make off of our discernments that, that are not the heart of God, even if they're right. Discernment, right or wrong, never allows us to make judgments in our hearts. If we do this, we've actually taken. God off the judgment seat and try to place ourselves upon it. We've taken God off and we try to put ourselves upon it and that's, that's bad news. We don't want to do that. If, if we want to grow in the prophetic we cannot make ungodly assumptions or judgments even if they're true. Even if they're based on facts. We must release those judgments and release any judgments that we're even currently holding on to even right now. We must go before the Lord for making these judgments and repent and ask God for his view on these things, his heart, to connect us in love with him and love for those people. In Jesus' name, we break those judgments even right now. We have to understand that discernment by itself doesn't necessarily build up others. Discernment itself doesn't necessarily build up others. Let's say that I can discern an acquaintance struggle with flying. Flying about something that's maybe not personal to me, but, but I can see this thing and I, I sense that they're lying. If I call it out just because I see it and because it could be dangerous, but I don't offer a process of healing or restoration or help, have I just reinforced the shame culture that, that, they were, that made them lie in the first place or developed that lying habit in the first place? Or have I actually made them change? Discernment without going to the Father's heart can actually work like the worst witchcraft that we deal with. Like it, can actually work, it can cause people to become political, manipulative, and divisive. So we're not called to discern evil as a goal. We're called to discern God's heart, His intentions for people. That means you might actually see evil, but it's for what the Lord wants to do in that place, what He wants to replace that with, how He wants to come in. If you take out the step of listening for revelation from God, hearing his heart about things, and you just discern and start interpreting evil, you can actually take on the things that you're interpreting. Like you can, That can affect your soul. That can affect the, the, your perspective, your worldview. If you just discern those things and interpret those things without getting the revelation of God's heart, then it can actually create this stuff inside of us. And evil is a harsh word, but, but let's just think about it for a minute. Like, who here, when you're out of the grocery store in a public place, you've just been minding your own business, and then all of a sudden, like, you just feel like a wave of these negative emotions? Like, you just walked into a spider web and you're like, oh, like, ah, oh, get off of me. Like, who's, who here has, like, felt that kind of thing before? Well, it's probably because you weren't, you know, thinking about negative things yourself. It's probably because you discerned something spiritual in the atmosphere and it got stuck to you. And so, like, you find yourself, like, annoyed at something that you wouldn't normally get annoyed at or feeling emotions that you wouldn't normally feel. They're not yours. There's Something in the atmosphere got stuck to you in that. Or maybe it's like every time you see a specific person, you're just instantly judging them without thinking about it. Like that kind of thing. We want to get rid of those kind of, those kind of instant judgments, those kind of things that we've discerned but haven't asked God about. It's important for people like me, people like who are big feelers, to if you're exceptionally discerning, to fast from negativity for a while. Like really, like fast for six months from negativity because we've created a critical spirit. That all the things that we say, they're coming out as critical and like it's not focused on the love of God. We need to fast from those kind of things because our focus is off. Our discernment has become critical in nature rather than empowering. You must focus on what God's doing in every situation and and ignore the enemy or the fallen humanity until we stay in an attitude of victory of who God is. This scares people who rely on discernment because they feel like without discernment, the world's out to get them. They won't be safe, you know? And so they feel like if they don't discern, the the danger around them will somehow get them and you're protected by the love of God. who's he's surrounding you. Discernment was never supposed to be your main focus. Relationship was. Now, judgments towards individuals can be just one part of the negative things that comes with relying on discernment alone. Discernment that leads to unchecked judgments for individuals can then turn into judgments towards groups of people. So then we discern, hey, this group of people feels the same way I do about that group of people, and so I'm going to join with them, and then together we're going to make judgments about those people, and we're going to end up hating them, and you know hating other groups, and this, this grows, and it's it's really bad. It can grow beyond just our individual judgments towards each other. Discernment plus b- bad theology equals judgment and negative prophecy. So what I mean by that is, like, sadly, a lot of messages that I hear coming from churches, even especially charismatic voices, like when tragedy strikes or when something horrible happens in the world, it's like you deserve this. How many of you guys have heard that kind of word, like, you deserve this. Your sin brought this upon your nation, brought you upon your region. That's really sad because that's not the heart of God at all. He didn't come to, to do this. But when we, when we agree with that or when we say those kinds of words over people, we're agreeing and we're, we're putting forth a feeling that they're unworthy. You know, that God hates them. We may never say that with our mouth, but that's what can be felt, like God hates us. And so you're judged because of that sin in your life. This is actually an anti-Jesus message. It's the opposite of Jesus. But before you come up and say, Parker, God has to judge the sin. My name's Josh, not Parker. So first, you know. But God did, he did wipe out sin. He, he, he took out his judgment on the cross, fully on the cross. We have to understand that. The balance comes from understanding that we come as God's beloved children to his beloved world to save it, to bring restoration, to bring salvation, like Jesus carrying in the, the relationship with God. John three seventeen says Jesus didn't come into the world to convict it of sin, he came to save it. Convicting the world of sin is actually the Holy Spirit's job, not our job. The Holy Spirit does that. We can trust him to do that. He's gonna do it way better than we can. I if if who of you remember, there used to be a a pastor and I don't know if his wife and some other people, they used to to be uptown on the corner of Chipotle, right across from the skyline. If you guys ever seen or met those people, they'd hand out stuff. And and it was all a hate message, like it was it was like, you're gonna burn, you know, turn or burn, like, like you're going to hell, like the whole world is evil. And and for for years these guys would be up there on the corner and like I'd be at Skyline working and I'd just start judging them so harshly, <laughs> like, man, they're not representing Jesus at all rightly. And the Lord really checked my heart one day and said, Hey, those are those are your siblings. Like, <laughs> I love them just as much as I love you. And so I got to go over and introduce myself to the, the pastor and say, Hey, I really appreciate that you're out here. Caring about people's souls. Like, I really appreciate that you would take time to stand here and, and tell people that they can have a relationship with God, that He wants to have a relationship with them. And so I didn't come up, I like put down my judgment. you know, and I said, Well, to encourage Him. And He asked me if I knew if I was saved. And I said, Yeah. And I said, He said, How do you know? And I said, Well, I have a relationship with Jesus. I said, But how do you know? And I said, I'm pretty sure that, born again. But we didn't argue about that too long. I just, I just blessed him and said, have a good day. Jesus came to the whole world because even though he knew it was a dark place, he willingly considered everyone worthy of the price he would pay. He knew about the child broth- brothels in Rome. He knew about the sexual slavery. He knew about the, the leaders, the Jewish leaders, and people um, embezzling from the temple. He knew about those things. And he came and he said, you're worthy of my price. He didn't come to wipe them out. He came to save them. He never would have died on the cross if if he carried the same theology some of us carry today. We have this mindset that like the bad guy needs to die in our time. Like the bad guy needs to die in our time. He has, to, God has to wipe out these things and it's like the, the, the narrative, the justice narrative, the American mentality that we deserve a happy ending, and that means the bad guy has to die or has to, to be wiped out, has infiltrated our theology. And we, need, we begin to objectify humanity as God's enemies and objects of God's wrath. But that's not what God holds on to. He said, my, my object of wrath was sin, not the person and I died to save them and bring them out of that. John Bowles talks all about all the time about negative judgments towards L.A. where he lives. And he says, you know, if you've ever heard those words like, God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, then God has to wipe out Hollywood. If you've heard those kind of words. (laughs) Sean's like, really? I thought God took his judgment out on sin through the cross? Was that not good enough? Like, It's good enough. Paul had to write to the Ephesians about this. He said, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, it's against rulers, against The authorities, principalities, the the powers of the air, spiritual forces in heavenly realms. It's clearly defined as a war against demonic forces and false authority. Not humanity. We're not at war with humanity. Jesus had to explain this to his disciples time and time again. This is not the way my kingdom works, my kingdom is different. It's not a temporary resolution. It brings full justice in ways that you don't understand. We know that the, the world in its current state is dark. We don't need to like, discern something. We can just look out our window and see that. We can see that things are happening. We can turn on the TV and see that things are happening. But God doesn't have to add his power to crush what's already headed for destruction. God doesn't need to add his power to that. It's already headed that way. And so we, we come as ambassadors of heaven and say, hey, there's a better way. We want to transform the places that we're around and the spheres of influence that we have. He's asking us to partner with his redemption and hope. I've been around a lot of prophetic people who declare judgment and, and others ask them why it didn't happen after the fact. And they say, well, people must have prayed and, it ch- and the Lord changed his heart on it. Well, I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe his heart was never to do that in the first place. Maybe it was just a word of, word of warning or something like that. But we, if we, dis, we start speaking words like that, we're usually discerning spiritual things and emotionally discerning things, but we're not asking God what he wants to do in that situation. And so we need to, want to change our, our, our mindsets on that kind of thing. God's in the business of speaking ways we can understand so we can change and transform from them. And all prophetic words that carry consequences or conditions must have a redemptive perspective. It must have a pers- redemptive perspective or it's not aligned with the nature of God because that's what he's all about. So let's imagine you gave a word about a storm hitting or, or an earthquake happening because of corruption or sin and, and the disaster actually occurred. If you can't define what's changed because of that disaster, what was the point of giving the word in the first place? Like there has to be a change. Like the Lord's not going to just say this is going to happen and not give an, an opportunity for something to change. God loves the world and he wants to transform it, not kill people off because he's mad at them. So I've talked enough about the negative side of discernment, but I want to talk about the positives because when discernment shows up as a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, it's actually a gift. You see it as a gift. So who while, this is from Graham Cook, Prophetic Wisdom, who while, ta- who while walking in the prophetic and when meeting people first sees or senses negative things people are dealing with. If you do, it's because God is trusting you with his heart and asking you to speak the opposite. He wants you to speak the opposite. He wants you to call the gold out of them. When you discern things, you're not necessarily getting a prophetic message of revelation. Even words of knowledge are not necessarily prophetic words. They're conversation starters. They're conversation starters. It's God helping your spirit man use your spiritual eyes and your feelings, and your spiritual senses to know and get a glimpse of the world around you. It's all those senses plus your spiritual senses working in, in connection. And they're God's gifts of connection to you. God wants you to, take what you dis- God wants you to take what you discern and bring it before him and say, what do you want to do with these things? God? How do you, what's your plan? And then he can reveal his heart to us. Then he can reveal his thoughts about it and his ways about it. Discernment is an invitation to get revelation from God. Connect with God first and allow discernment to be a door for spiritual revelation that goes beyond your thoughts, feelings, opinions, and current faith level. Ask God what can be. What can be in this situation? If you entered in this situation, what would happen, God? And begin to speak those words over people's lives. God wants to reveal discernment as a gift from the Spirit. Again, faith doesn't deny a problem's existence. It denies it a place of influence. Bill Johnson says that. Holiness is not sinlessness. It's the ability to see what's worth protecting and then say no to sin to protect our yes to love. And so what we're seeing is saying, we're coming along people and saying, hey, this is what's worth protecting. This is what's worth protecting in your life. This is what's going to bring more of the love of God into you. If you're, if you're walking over there, it's not, it's not protecting that. So let's get back on track. Let's protect these things. We can encourage people. We become models and spokesmen pointing out how to get more connected to God's love through the gift of discernment. Because perfect love casts out fear. So many people are walking in fear. but We want to introduce them to perfect love where there's no fear. That's one of the most freeing things when we're introduced to perfect love. That's one of the things we get to carry with us when we get to talk to people, when we give them prophetic words. It's one of the most beautiful parts about embracing Christ, that he delivers us from the fear of having to reap what we've sown. That doesn't mean there's no consequences for our choices, but it means he stops vicious cycles in our lives when we repent and return to him he cancels out the the order of inheriting bad mojo f- from the fruit of our choices it's like the story of the prodigal son god is waiting for us to return he's waiting to bless us he wants to bless us he doesn't want us to reap more bad consequences from the mistakes in our lives he wants us to learn how to step past discernment. And so that's where we're going. We're all headed in this place, stepping past discernment. Isaiah eleven two 2-3 says, The Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. And he's talking about Jesus. It's a prophetic declaration about Jesus. But it's also talking about us because we're in Jesus. So when we read this, we can, we can read this for ourselves as well. The Spirit of the Lord will rest upon us. The Spirit will give, give us wisdom and understanding. Guidance, counsel, and power. The Spirit will teach us knowledge and to respect the all of the Lord. The king, his princes, his children, his brothers and sisters will gladly delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge we will not judge by the way things look, appearance or visions of the eyes, or decide by what we hear from man. We're stepping past discernment. We're called to discern both good and bad things and bring the Father's report. As believers, we can discern a lot of things like the motives of people's hearts, bad politics, unhealthy patterns, in all areas of life, in all spheres of life. Our opinion and our perspective can be influenced by the news, by the media that we watch, by social media, by our friends, by popular opinion, all of which can, can make our discernment more acute and possibly biased. But God wants to step past that. He wants to take us into His heart. We're called to discern the Father's heart, not just black and white things, not just truth amongst lies. Sometimes if we just hold on to those truths without God's heart, those facts without God's heart, we can end up bringing damage to the very relationships that God was calling us to, to bring healing to, to build up. If we don't go past our discernment, we, it can become very limiting and isolating. In fact, the enemy wants to overload us with discernment so that it drives us mad. It's something that the enemy does time and time again to prophetic, really prophetic people. He tries to like, bring all of the negative stuff and like, just unload it on us every day and, and to drive us mad, to bring a spirit of insanity. And, and it's just like, it's the weight of the world and like rejection or perceived rejection. But the enemy hits us with time and time again. He wants to isolate prophetic people. If you've, if you've walked in the prophetic and you feel like you've been isolated, that's the, that's the lie from the enemy. That's what he wants to do to you. But you're made for a relationship and we need you in the body. The enemy can twist scripture and say, because in the Old Testament, the prophets were loners. That's what pro- prophets look like now. And so you've got to be like, isolated and off by yourself because no one's going to listen to your words because they're too harsh. That's the lie from the enemy. So we want to step past discernment and that be, means we begin to see through God's eyes and connect to love and get a bigger picture than we currently have. We're not bound to a cause. We're not bound to justice. We're not bound to a gift of discernment or even a, per, a prophet or an office or a ministry. We're bound to the love of God. We're bound to the love of God. And as I said before, discernment is merely God's conversation starter. So when we have empathy, compassion, passion, a heart for justice, many of these things you discern have leave, the, leave you with the ability to feel emotionally wiped out or drained. Have you ever felt that way before? Like if you're, you're overly discerning something, you can feel wiped out by that because it weighs on our emotions. But if you've learned that God has given us discernment to connect with Him, to pray and connect with His heart, then you won't feel empty. You'll get connected with God. you actually get filled up with His emotions about those things. Until you get so filled up, you're overflowing. And so that your intercession isn't just prayer. You actually become the bridge to bring healing to people around us. It becomes action where we, where we get to partner with God to bring people into hope. For everything you discern, there's a deeper, more original thought about it in God's heart. And It's our job to steward the prophetic gift God has given us. And responsibility in the prophetic requires us to refine our prophetic words. That's what I want to really talk about next. It's really important as we minister in the prophetic that we start to refine our process. So if you're new to prophecy and you want to process, so what does that look like? That looks like some ways that we we learn how to refine the process of words is we begin to write down and record the prophetic words that we've given people and that we've received from people. It's so the words that we've given people and the words we've received from people. Second thing we do is ref- we reflect on those words. Ask yourself some questions. What was that word? What steps were involved? Was there revelation? Was there interpretation? Was there application? Is there more to that word that hasn't been given yet, more that the Lord wants to share? Does that word resonate with other words that you've been given, or does it resonate in your heart? How did you get that word when you're giving it to someone else? How did the Lord speak to you? How did it make them feel? How did it make you feel when you got it? Is is there an invitation into a deeper relationship with God because of it? This is why in Sockham, the School of Kingdom Ministry, we're always taking time to give feedback after our prophetic activations because we want to refine the process. We want to understand how we heard and learn how to hear better. Steward the things that the Lord's given us. To grow in this, I think it's so important that we submit ourselves to to the leadership that we're under, to people around us who are a couple steps ahead of us. So 1 Corinthians fourteen twenty nine says, "Let two or three prophesy, and let the other prophets carefully evaluate and discern what's being said." So find people to find people you trust to weigh your words, the words that you've been given. And practice your delivery on them even before you give it to the, the wor- to the person that it's intended for. Practice giving it on to people you trust. Let them be your sounding board. Bill does this to me all the time, Bill Wilson. He always comes up and tells me words about people who, that the Lord's given to him for others and, and makes me his sounding board. That's awesome. It's a, it's a good challenge to learn how to grow in this thing. We need people to keep us in line and in love Authority in our words only comes when we love people and we're loved and trusted by them. That's how we gain authority. We're we're in connection with people. In week one, one of the things that Parker talked about and said was in essence, if you're not in relationship with people, even if the Lord shows you something about them, you don't have prophetic authority to speak it into their lives. If you're not in connection with them, you you don't have the right to give them direction, if it's a directional word. Another way to say it is if God shows you something that you wouldn't normally talk about in person with that, that person, like you wouldn't normally have a conversation about that, you probably don't have the permission to call it out. And then, unless it's a life or death situation. And then if you call it out, you better be ready to come alongside them and walk through the, through the, the process of healing and restoration. And I agree with this wholeheartedly, but I want to add one caveat. If the Lord shows, shares something with you and you don't have that relationship, and you don't have that authority, then it's probably an invitation to begin to pray for that person with the Lord. You can do that. You might never be able to share that word with them, but you can pray for them. And that's what the Lord's inviting us to. Another area that we need to refine our prophetic words and learn how to do that is knowing when we have our own emotions connected to them and when our own worldviews become a filter that the word goes through and takes on at times. So some examples is like we can misinterpret a lot of things as a word from God when they're just like desperation in our own heart for something. So like maybe you need a job and you're like, I will get this job by the, by the word of the Lord. I prophesy I'm going to get this job or I prophesy that you're going to get this job. And, you know, maybe that wasn't the Lord. Maybe it was just desperation, emotions. Or maybe you say, hey, don't hang out with those people. It's a word of warning. Don't hang out with these people. They're spiritually weird. Well, maybe that's just you think that they're spiritually weird, and God loves them. A lot of times we misinterpret things as words from God when they aren't. They aren't from God. They're just actual emotional responses to circumstances or hormones. Like God told me, "I will marry you," or God told me, "You're going to marry that person." Don't tell anybody that ever. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Don't tell anybody who they're going to marry or who they're not going to marry. Like, you don't have permission to do that. And I have too many friends, really. I know it's funny, but we have too many friends who have been given words about marrying somebody, and they didn't marry that person, and it screwed them up for some years. And so, like, let's not do that, because it's it's dangerous. Like, if you you tell somebody that, and they're like, you're going to marry this person, and that person wants to marry that person, but that other person doesn't want to marry that person, that's not the heart of God. He's not going to violate their free will. we got to be careful when we give those kind of words. God loves and cherishes free will. He's not going to give a person a word that's going to violate their free will. Lastly, to learn to refine our words, we should regularly give words and get feedback and track our words. So this is something that Sean Bowles talks about all the time, that Mike Bickle from Kansas City um, encouraged him and challenged him to do. It was this idea of tracking his words. So when he'd give a word, any kind of prophetic word, always he would say, hey, let me give you my, my contact information. Let me get your contact information. and I want to follow up with you in a month, in three months, in, in, in six months, and in a year, in two years, and three years, and see if that word actually happened. Track your words. Did that word come to, was it a true word? Was it from the Lord? And if it wasn't, he took the time and said, hey, I didn't hear right. It wasn't on you. It was on me. I didn't hear right. And so we got to learn how to do the same thing. I really want to challenge us to do that same kind of thing. Track our words. Track our healings as well. If we pray for healing for somebody, and it like, it, they get healed, or they get healed 90% of the way, let's follow up with them in a month. Let's follow up with them in three months. Let's follow up with a year. Did that healing still take? And if not, say, hey, I'm sorry. I don't know Why? but if you'll let me, I'll pray with you again. Prophetic words, the things that the Lord's speaking to you, if you trust me, I want to come alongside you again. And So let's track our words. Lastly, I just want to go really quick, talk about moving forward, growing in maturity and authority in the prophetic. So growing in maturity looks like refinement. We just talked about that. It looks like having a teachable heart. That means learning from others. Being able to learn from those people around us who've, who have a little bit more history, to learn from teachers, to learn from, from, from trustable sources. It also means having accountability and the ability to take critique in our words, to get feedback in our words without getting offended. It means giving ourselves time to rest. If we don't rest, you know, we can get all sorts of things can happen, fear can come in. Temptation can come in. Big burnout can happen. So we've got to take time to rest. The Lord told, told Elijah to rest. We want to learn how to listen for the still, small voice. The Lord speaks to us in a lot of ways. and We can get really used to that. And he might speak in a different way, and we might be too focused on listening for the other ways that we don't hear the change, the subtle change or the still, small voice. We want to learn how to do that. If you want to grow in authority to speak powerful words, you got to grow in love. You got to grow in love for Jesus and, the, and for people around us. You got to overflow with love. Always be encouraging and building others up, even if you're not giving them words, even if you're not giving them prophetic words. Just be an encourager. Just build people up. Set yourself to do that. Set yourself to serve people. Learn the difference between Holy Spirit wrapped encouragement. And God's words, what is the difference between those? Holy Spirit-wrapped encouragement is encouragement that the Holy Spirit comes upon and empowers, and it's, it's uplifting, and it, it is. It builds people up, and it's, it's really special. And it's really powerful and it can speak to people's hearts. God's words is like God takes over my mouth, and He's speaking through it. There's a difference between those two things. And so we're going to learn the difference between those two things and see more of those and ask the Lord for more. We want to learn the difference between foretelling words, words that speak what will happen, foretelling, and forthtelling words, words that declare what God wants to do, words that declare what He's making available to them right now. So, there's a difference between those two things, and we can learn them. Commit to come alongside others and discipling others in the prophetic and training and encouraging others to prophesy on deeper levels. That's what we want to do. So, worship, and go ahead and come on up. And as we go into worship, I want to read to you guys from Psalm 139. And this is King David's poetic song about the pure and shining one. That's the title of it. It's about Jesus. So David says, Lord, you know. You know everything about me. You know there's everything there is to know about me. You perceive every moment, every movement of my heart and soul and you understand my every thought before it even enters my mind. You're so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book, and you know all the words I'm about to speak even before I start a sentence. You know every step I'm going to take before my journey begins. So Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for what you've deposited and established in Oxford Vineyard, God, and in us today through this series God and over the years God I thank you for what you've deposited in us God I thank you for all the gifts and all the anointings that are in the lives and on the lives of the people here God I just bless them this morning God I bless those things God we ask for more Holy Spirit thank you for the hundreds and thousands of people that you've touched through this body. And I thank you for the the other corporate bodies around Oxford, God. I just ask that you'd pour out your spirit afresh upon them, even this morning. God, I ask that we wouldn't shy away from your calling, God, in our lives. God, that you would grow us up in maturity, God things in relationship with you. You'd increase our capacity, God. Thank you, Lord. Ask that you would encounter us this morning in worship.